Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. There's a whole fleet of them. Look on the ASA. It was basically a cube with inside of sphere where the points of the cube uh, were touching outside of the sphere. This isn't anything that just is limited to the United States. It's a worldwide phenomenon. This is Sean Cahill, and you're listening to that UFO podcast. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to That UFO Podcast. My name is Andy, and the guest with me on the podcast this week is joining me just over one year after his first appearance in the very early days of the podcast. I've got investigator and researcher, writer, one of the head guys over at The Debrief. I've got Tim McMillan. Tim, welcome back to the podcast. Andy, it is an absolute pleasure to be here, and I can't believe it has been just over a year when we first spoke. Man, time flies. But uh, yeah, no, it's a pleasure to be here, and it's a pleasure to see how things have progressed. So thanks for having me on. No, thank you. And just from the response from you being on the first time to this time, the, the questions flooded in and it's a, it's a bit of a crazy time. A lot's happened, Tim, in the last year since I spoke to you and there is a whole lot we could talk about and there's a whole lot we can't talk about because we just don't have the time in, in one interview to do it. Um, there's a few big moments that I, I really want to get your opinion on that I'm really interested in where things have been and where they may be headed. But first off, I want to ask about the debrief, um, how things have been going over there. Is there anything kind of big being worked on just now? Sure. Yeah. No, things um, things have gone really, really well. And, and I want to make sure anybody listening, uh, you know, really understands how appreciative all of us are, not just me, but but MJ, Micah, and the team's kind of expanded with, with Chrissy Dutton and Chris Plain on board. Uh, Christina Gomez is, you know, how much we appreciate that the support has been incredible. And, and we've been very fortunate to actually continue to grow and do well in a time when most media outlets are closing. And so it's cool. And, and it's it's definitely allowing us to expand. And I think that uh, we're, we're able to continue to kind of march into our goals of both when it comes to the UFO or UAP topic, try to pre- present credible interesting, newsworthy uh, coverage of the topic, the same way you would any other, anything else, you know, whether it's politics, anything else. I mean, that's how we've, our approach, uh, I think we've been successful in that. And I think we'll continue to do that. But then also to present other really fascinating aspects of technology and science that are on the cutting edge in a format that uh, isn't, you know, I always said before, our goal was to hit the middle road where you you had a lot of science and tech stuff that was, you know, really highbrow <laughs> that, that's empirical journals. And frankly, it's just you get lost in it or really lowbrow where it's just clickbaity junk. And we wanted to hit the middle where we could bring cool stuff. Uh, like I did an article yesterday, which I thought was really cool on uh, a theoretical physics study about dark matter, possibly representing a fourth dimension, you know, presenting that, which is really abstract you know, quantum science in a, in a manner that the average person can read and be like, wow, that's kind of cool. And, and hopefully want to learn more about it and expand on it. So things have been going good. And, and I appreciate everybody that, that has supported us. If it's testament to the success of it or how important people view it, like I don't have alerts on Twitter for many things, but I've got the debrief. I've got George Knapp, Lou Elizondo and Jeremy Corbell given recently. And I think for people, if people want to use the word leak or breaking news or reporting on stuff, it's yourselves, Corbell and Knapp who very recently have been kind of churning stuff out as well. And I think that speaks to the testament to the quality of what you guys are are managing to get out as well, as well as the other articles on um, space tech, military tech, and all that kind of stuff. Like you say, they're, they're written in a really 
classy way but you can understand them i'm no expert in this stuff and sometimes the language and terminology i have to text my mates and ask like dan what does this mean or what does that mean but you can understand them as well so it's well explained for people it's been around now for about eight months i think it was november roughly it launched last year what are the plans for it moving forward uh you know we 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 intend to continue to grow and uh we we actually have a lot of things on the horizon in terms of uh we're going to start launching you know we kind of have dabbled in the the youtube and and youtube podcasts so not the true audio podcast like yourself like yours but kind of the youtube podcast feel um and Christina is we're going to be expanding her show to because the UFO topic has been such a significant one and, and frankly is worthy of significant coverage. I think we're, we're going to be bulking out her show. So so hers is going to be uh, kind of a UFO program that we're in the process of setting up. Uh, also, Chrissy, who people haven't probably hadn't seen a lot of her yet lately, but she is our she's our media director and our PR person and she's. Really phenomenal, and Is that she, Chrissy Newton. Yes, Chrissy Newton. Yep, and she she has a podcast right now, uh, totally unrelated to, to UFOs or any of this. And uh, I joke with her, the, the Gossip Girls type podcast. But um, she's in the process right now of booking and putting together what I think is going to be a really cool show, and um, it's going to go onto a bunch of topics. So she's talking to different people like uh, Leslie Keen, but also getting into other interesting areas, science, technology, consider it kind of a Joe Rogan-esque extension of the debrief. And so we'll be extending to that. And I think we will also you know, continue to start expanding our, our ability to cover things and our outlet coverage. We've got a lot of new writers that have kind of joined on board and, uh, you know, so we will continue to grow there. I think long term, um, there's a lot of big plans that I have for it, you know, that I think we're talking two to three year goals. But it definitely was always established as something that um, even though we kind of bootstrapped it and wanted to be independent, uh, we always had long term goals. And so I think especially as the covid thing starts to hopefully taper down here. I think it, it's kind of, uh, it's definitely a lot better than it was when we spoke last year. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, you know, one of the big things is now starting to, to get people together face to face again. And so I think we'll, we'll look at hosting some type of conference that will kind of represent what we are so we can merge all of these interesting fields. And so it's not just, you know, UFO con or whatever. Not that there's anything wrong with the just UFO conference, but but where you can have people talking about dark matter or AI and in the same context. And, and so they bring kind of a different flair to the UFO topic as well. So I think that's also on the, we'll say, distant horizon. Hopefully, hopefully we'll talk. Before, it won't be another year before we talk again, but hopefully a year from now, maybe we'll be talking about plans for that. That that sounds great. And like you say, science and technology for a long time have been a distant cousin when it comes to talking about UFOs in the same breadth. But more recently, it's, it's again, people like yourself helping to pioneer this, but we're starting to see mainstream news coverage of this topic and scientists starting to get involved. And we're going to come to talking about NASA in a little while as well, obviously. But the last few months have seemed to build towards the, the task force report. A lot's been said about it being delayed and such. Do you think we're going to see the report first and foremost around the deadline that was set? Actually, I do now, which which is in complete contrast to, to what I'd said a couple of weeks ago, um, which I, I really genuinely believed it was going to be there were definitely indications that I had that it was there were a delay was going to be asked. Um, however, you know, I think a lot of people may have seen the New York Times reporting um, and kind of got a, a leaked or kind of overview from some insiders of that report. I think that that reporting was, was highly accurate. And, and I think the, the journalist uh, Helene Cooper, and I, gosh, I cannot remember the other gentleman's name, but but they're serious national security defense reporters and they're exactly the type of people who I would expect to have good sources inside the intelligence community. And so I think that that was accurate. And I think that we, we will now see it. Uh, I anticipate it coming out around the 25th, which is the deadline, um, which should be interesting and exciting. I think um, a lot of people, at least I heard, a lot of people may have been disappointed or upset by what the Times reported Um 
Lynch, in fairness, there was some legitimacy to be upset, kind of the headline they initially used. I, mm. I jokingly told some people was they, they essentially said, you know, it, it was, uh, you know, no evidence for aliens was the initial one. Um, then they said, but they can't rule it out. And I, you know, said, the, the weatherman says it's not going to rain tomorrow, but it might. <laughs> like, what is it? And I think some people were accurate in saying that's not really the, the takeaway from this. Um, but I do think some people thought, and I've stressed this for a long time, that I felt like some people had their expectations of what this report was going to provide were far exceeded the reality of it. I think a lot of people believe that this was going to be disclosure um, for those who define disclosure as the government acknowledging there is some sort of alien or non-human existence on this earth. I, yeah, I, I never <laughs> anticipated that to happen. Not uh, not that that's some kind of crazy idea and can't be real, but rather that's not how you would release that information. <laughs> you wouldn't you wouldn't see the president just say, "Oh no, just throw it in a report and hand it to Congress, and we'll deal. We'll, we'll handle the questions at the press conference later." You know, like this would be yeah. a major deal. Um, so what has been initially reported, if accurate, which I do believe is accurate, um, I'll say, I'll, I'll say that I was really surprised and stunned. And I think it's a much bigger deal for anybody who, who didn't maybe set their expectations super high and thinking the Roswell bodies were about to roll out. But, but what the, what has been reported and that they are going to say, you know, what was it like 120 incidences in recent time, um, that cannot be explained and, and multiple sensor data and, and absolutely ruling out it being us tech, which is something I've agreed with for some time. I think we probably talked about that a year ago. Um, that's really remarkable. I think it's more remarkable than people expect or understand, uh, especially if you've been following the UFO topic for years, or this is something that you're very much into for you. It's kind of like, well, of course, <laughs> you know, like this is no big shocker to them, but I think it's important to remember that for the average public and everything, that's not necessarily the case. And so if the report comes out exactly like what's been described, uh, you know, I think that now it is appropriate to kind of take the next step, which is if we're not talking about U.S. technology and indeed you're talking about things that are being confirmed by multiple sensors and you know, is performing in ways that you can't account for by any known modern technology, even foreign. Now it's appropriate to start saying, well, what are we talking about here? You know, whereas before, I think the door has always been open for, well, these are sensor glitches. These are balloons, birds, you name it. But if uh, they're saying, no, no, it's not any of that. Now, now it's appropriate for the mainstream, let me say, to start seriously asking, well, what the heck are we talking about here? And that's where I think you're making the point that if your expectations aren't set too high, if you're expecting this to be, here are the bodies, here are the crashes, okay, here's what the Phoenix lights really were, you're always going to be disappointed. But if if you're looking for something that's going to come out and say, okay, there's maybe something we should be looking into here, that's that's going to potentially excite you and get the ball rolling. Do you think this is going to be the first step in what would be further reports coming out or a permanent task force being set up? What do you think? happens after this report <clears throat> i certainly think that would be the case i mean i hope so because you know for a multitude of reasons i don't, I don't think it, it would be remarkably <laughs> i would hope there would be significant outcry by even people who who maybe don't believe in aliens or ufos or don't believe that they're anything special per se I would hope that they would really cry foul if a report came out and said, hey, we have 120 incidents here or more, and we know that this is real. Uh, we can't really fit this into any kind of box because it performs in certain, you know, it's maneuvering in certain ways. It changes direction, uh, the ability to operate both subsurface and, and in the air without any kind of measurable diminishment in power and is able to operate under an energy source that we're, you know, for extended period of times that we're not familiar with. I think if you say that and, and then you don't 
<laughs> say, okay, well, we better significantly invest in figuring this out. There's a huge problem here. You know, even if you want to side with, well, this is probably China or Russia. Well, we should probably figure it out. Um, even if, you know, regardless, you know, if you're like, well, this can be explained by some type of prosaic advanced technology. Well, we should probably figure out who has it and what is it. Um, if for no other reason than take out the, the scary national defense reasons, but let's be selfish in a commercial uh, sense <clears throat> in that, hey, if there's a technology that will allow me to fly hypersonic, you know, we could be doing this interview face to face right now. As nice as Zoom is, you know, could 20 years from now, we be looking at ourselves in the same way that we did 20 years ago, where the idea of doing video chats and, and podcast wasn't you know, people are like what you know smartphone what kind of witchcraft is that yeah or suddenly this idea oh yeah we, I, I live in germany but I, I go to work every day in new york is real because i can just jump on my tic-tac commuter so i think that you know it, it certainly i would expect that our congressional leadership and just the general public would say yeah no we we, we need to make a more significant investment and determine uh, where are our missing gaps here? Why don't why do we not know for certain that it's not Russian, Chinese, Iranian? Um, there's a lot of hypotheses there. There's a lot of theories there. Um, and, and in fact, that I think that even within the intelligence community, the idea of it being Russian or Chinese is it, it would be considered an extremely low probability if indeed there there you have things maneuvering in the capabilities that are being reported. Uh, so who's doing it and what? I think that that's the next appropriate step to take. And I think that that uh, is going to take a significant investment. And, and there's a lot of questions there, even questions that I have that I'm very interested in. So are we in a position where we can maybe solve this? Something that's been going on for decades now. Do you think within the unclassified report that we'll, we'll see, there's going to be any allusion to uh, non-human intelligence, something else, unearthly origin, even like a bullet point in a summary? Um, <clears throat> you know, I don't think so, but I, I'm going to hedge that and caveat this by saying, and, and I've started saying this a lot in interviews, is that, you know, I'm more than happy to give my opinion at times as long as it's stipulated my opinion. But please understand that I, one thing, if I've learned nothing in, in following this topic for the last four or five years, um, it is to expect the unexpected. It, it is that UFOs are inherently paranormal. And I don't mean that as their space ghost. I mean that then nothing acts normal. <laughs> you know, you it's a, it's a huge, it's a very difficult intelligence problem because typically in intelligence and, and really how I've trained as an investigator to operate is you try to look for patterns of behaviors and and predict uh, outcomes because you you know what the existing patterns are with this it's impossible you know <laughs> the the dod can go for years blowing me off in, in uh you know media request either ignoring or giving you know contradictory bizarre answers and then all of a sudden you know the, these uh, leaked videos that have come out from Jeremy Corbell, uh, which has been interesting. Uh, you know, all of a sudden they're like, oh, yeah, that's ours. Yep, sure is. And you're like, wait, what the heck? How did this happen? So it's paranormal. Nobody acts normally. Um, and so with that caveat, <laughs> I, I wouldn't anticipate that if for no other reason than if you read the language of what was actually requested by the intelligence community. They did not ask for an intelligence assessment. So a best estimate of the situation, they asked for an overview of kind of what's going on here, who's participating, where are our blind spots, what's what do we have and what do we need? So I've always said that this to me looks much more consistent with a precursor type of legislation that uh, you're identifying all the blind spots, you're identifying what we need and that therefore establishes and justifies uh, the funding or like you mentioned, an establishment of a permanent type of office or entity with some type of more, uh, you know, a more muscular authority behind it to, to get to the bottom of this, because the you know, task force at the end of the day are temporary functions. You know, they are not permanent offices. So I wouldn't anticipate that in the unclassified. I would not anticipate it getting into that. But 
at the same time, uh, you know, I, if nothing else, like I said, I've learned to be very surprised in this field, pleasantly surprised. Now, that's the unclassified section of the report. There's going to be a classified annex as well. Now, we can't come out and say what will be in that. We're not going to see that anytime soon. What sort of content, though, would you expect to be contained within a classified annex of a report like this? Sure. I I think that in the classified annex, uh, what you're going to see and what lawmakers are going to see is a little bit more of the granular kind of basis behind the overall analysis that, that will probably come in the unclassified. So if they're saying here's 120 reports or more that we can't identify that are picked up by multiple sensors, period. In the classified annex, they're probably going to get into a little more depth as terms of what are those uh, classified sensors? What are those multiple sensor systems uh, and where have they been picked up? Because there's certainly uh, there's certainly reason for me to believe that that a significant number of the pickups, uh, are particularly probably the, the most interesting uh, that the U.S. government has recorded, have come during foreign intelligence collections. So because that's where we're looking. And I think that that's one of the things that's, that's largely difficult in this whole topic is we, we don't spy. We don't have our spy satellites. We don't have our sophisticated spy planes uh, flying over the, the continental U.S., and spying on ourselves, you know, that's pointless. So where we're spying is in foreign com- countries. We're spying on their nuclear facilities, their training activities. And so that's where our, our really fancy, uh, our really high fidelity intelligence systems are pointed. And and I think that there's probably a lot of very, very good intelligence that has been captured in that uh, capacity if for no other reason then that's where the best stuff is uh same with underwater surveillance system however because the no, all of these systems that may be picking up uap or ufos they're not inherently designed to pick them up they're, they're supposed to be used for spying on foreign technologies and foreign maneuvers uh, that is going to be classified you know it's going to go under the whole source and methods type thing so i think that very likely in the, in the classified section, they're going to get a little more granular in, in why, you know, here's kind of a broad overview of certain, some of the systems that have captured these collectively. And, and even in light of these systems coming together and capturing them, we can only say, yes, this is a real object. Yes, this is real. It is not a glitch in the system. It, it is not a bird balloon or blah, 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 because of this. What it is, we don't know. And uh, I, I would anticipate that's probably what the classified annex it, it is. I wouldn't anticipate it getting into anything more detailed in, in, especially in what some people may be really interested in, which is like, are they going to tell them it's aliens in the classified annex? Um, I, I don't foresee that, but, but I think it, it would, it's unfortunate we don't get to see that, but I understand why, because I think that that's, you know, if we're saying, you know, we've had, uh, you know, our, our top of the line surveillance aircraft, satellites and electronics, signals, intelligence systems all simultaneously picked up an object in one incident. Uh, that's pretty interesting. You know, now, like I said, now we, we've gathered significant intelligence on the technologies that are being deployed both domestically and foreign around the world. And if we still don't know what that is. And that's, that's interesting. <laughs> that's one that, that you, you should, should raise some eyebrows. I'm going to segue into talking about the mainstream media coverage, but to touch on what we've been talking about and go into that, a lot of the mainstream media coverage has focused on, like you say, those Corbell and Knapp videos. Um, well, they're not their videos. They didn't film them, but they have released them. Um, and it shows these objects are in the air and also potentially going into or under the water. So we're hearing on the news talking about tracking these objects, like the Tic Tacs coming in from 80,000 feet and then potentially going off under the water in or around the Catalina Islands. Okay, So that seems quite digestible for people because we have unknown objects operating in the air and we've got this extra leap now of, but they also go under the water. So we've got that transmedium travel. When you talk about that sensor data, though, that's just the, the net or the, the scope of those different systems. Have you ever heard of the objects first being tracked coming in from orbit or for, from space? I haven't. 
And, and I've said that before. People have asked me, and I, and I have have said that you know, just in my experience. So, so the people that I've talked to, there's a distinct lack of any discussion or any examples of where this has been captured on any of the kind of space-based surveillance and reconnaissance systems, even the scientific ones. So, so the, the ones that monitor space debris or, you know, stuff coming in meteors uh, coming into our atmosphere. Now, granted uh, that it's also difficult. And I, even I, I admit that it, even myself, I tend to kind of take this view that human beings are omnipotent and it's kind of like, oh, yeah, well, but if there was a spaceship flying in from outer space into our orbit, we would pick it up. But, you know, if you if you get into the nitty gritty, that's not true at all. And, and in fact, even very large meteors, uh, you know, one that uh, caused significant damage in Russia you know, almost a decade ago, you know, these things just appear. <laughs> you know, so if you see the fireball that uh, the UK had a historic fireball several months ago, they just, you know, you know, it's here when suddenly there's a sonic boom and the, li- the sky lights up. So this idea that we have this really uh, omnipresent view of our existence and we know everything that's coming and going is is, is not true. And the world's huge. Um, but I haven't heard anything about objects being picked up going in and out of our atmosphere. It's always been within the atmosphere, uh, you know, especially actually low level, we'll say, you know, the stuff's being picked up below 50,000 feet, that kind of thing. Uh, what that means, I don't know, because there's, you know, does that mean it's not extraterrestrials? It's something other? Uh, maybe. Uh, it could also mean, <laughs> which is, we, we can say kind of as, as fact, <laughs> is that you know, national reconnaissance, satellite reconnaissance programs, geospatial intelligence is uber top secret. I mean, these are agencies that, you know, and I've said that before in articles, that when you get into underwater surveillance or satellite and space surveillance, uh, these are just super top secret. These are the ones that use carve-outs to where, you know, you don't even know where the money's coming from and all these types of things, uh, you know, so... It could also be simply that um, that data does exist. However, because of the highly classified and, and highly compartmentalized nature of that, that's just not something that uh, that would come into my purview or really anybody's purview. Now, I'm, I'm sure you've been keeping up to date with the mainstream media coverage stateside, especially being involved with the debrief and everything. There's been a, a lot of it as well. Have you noticed a change over the last few years and months particularly at how it's being, how the topic's being approached by the media. Yes, no, and and that's probably one of the things I've I've been most happy about with the debrief is is we we really launched the site back at the end of November, and even though we cover a lot of science and tech, we always said that one of the kind of impetuses, the, the motivations to doing this was, uh, especially me and MJ, we're we're working together a lot of the time for popular mechanics and vice covering the UFO stuff. Cause we felt that it was a significant story one way or another. Uh, you know, we're very objective by it, but, but it's significant. Uh, and so we were trying to cover it like regular, you know, just like you would anything else, you know, whether it's the Russian malware hacks, you name it. Like this is just, this is newsworthy. Uh, and so we decided, you know, that's how we wanted to approach it. But but even working for some of the other outlets we were working for, it's still you know, when you're working for somebody and another editor, um, you know, it, it would still get kind of presented as silly and hokey and you know, silly headlines or silly pictures would be added. And so we said, no, we can do this. We can kind of blaze something new. And uh, I've been very one of the things I've been probably most pleased about and it goes on behind the scenes is. Uh, the number of people in mainstream media and significant mainstream media who started reaching out a couple months ago to me, um, me and you know people like uh, Gideon Lewis, who did a phenomenal article, I felt like in the New Yorker, you know, maybe not as much for, like I said, the, the UFO community who was waiting, who's, who's waiting for the Roswell bodies, but to understand the, the audience of the New Yorker and who reads that. Uh, for a lot of people later would be, you know, told me, wow, like now it's in the New Yorker for them. This is bigger than it's in the New York Times. Like this is, you know, New Yorkers high society. Uh, and so me and Gideon had lots of we've become great friends, but but reached out and kind of said, OK, uh, you know, you guys 
showed you could do this. And that was the same thing. I had a lot of great conversations with Graham Messick, uh, producer at 60 Minutes, who produced the episode there. Had lots of conversations um, leading up to the months of that episode. But seeing mainstream people reach out and say, OK, you you guys showed kind of the path that we can hand to our producers and our editors and say, hey, this can be done. We can cover this. And in fact, these guys have been uber successful right out of the gate doing it this way. And so suddenly outlets were like, hey, okay, let's give it a shot. Now, obviously, this was greatly enhanced by the Senate uh, Select Intelligence Committee. And so this UFO report, obviously, justifying it. You know, once it's justified in government and people like Chris Mellon and Lou Elizondo deserve nothing but all the credit there. And so there definitely has been a shift, uh, I would say, couple months ago, you know, starting where you started seeing outlets like The New Yorker and 60 Minutes and ABC and NBC and CBS covering this and, and covering it in, in a different manner than they were before. So not as silly, but, but saying, hey, wh- what's going on here? And covering it like I think that it should be, you know, <laughs> even if you don't believe this is aliens or you you believe that all of these are misidentifications, then the, the opposite side of that story is that a, a ton of government officials are totally crazy. That's newsworthy, everybody. <laughs> like, I feel like we should want to cover that. You know, the people all have fingers on triggers for ballistic missiles. So let's let, let's make a story out of that. Um, and so, yeah, no, it, it has been really interesting. Uh, the other side of that is that especially in the last couple of weeks, um, you know, especially right there, kind of the height, I think, near when uh, – Jeremy released his his last leak of the, of the radar scope footage and everything. Um, I started noticing kind of a the the negative side to media coverage, in which is now the media race. And uh, and in fact, you know, in our management meetings shortly after the last radar scope image leak, and that's not nothing against Jeremy Corbell. Him and George Nabba have done a phenomenal job getting that stuff out. Hats off to them. And um, but I saw kind of the response right after that. In fact, namely, there was a couple of outlets who had uh, (laughs) kind of clued into what we had done a week or so prior where we were able to confirm that the uh, the object uh, from the USS Omaha that said to go in the water, that we were able to confirm with the Pentagon within an hour of it being released. They kind of clued into what we were doing. And so you saw right after, you know, Corbell had teased this leak coming. And so a ton of these outlets had pre-written articles and where if you really read the article, there's like two or three sentences about what Corbell just leaked. The rest of it is just kind of recaps of everything. And so what they're trying to do is get in the cycle. They're trying to jump the cycle. And that's the thing is you want to be the first one to get it out. And so we had a, you know, we had a big management meeting. I said, okay, guys, we got to get off the UFO train for a little bit. Like I said, everybody stop, <laughs> like stop. We're, we're not. In fact, we, we started working on an article to cover uh, that last radar scope leak. In fact, talking to some, some experts and everything, we wanted to be able to present like, what are we looking at here? Really? <laughs> you know, cause other than, oh, this is weird. Like what is the systems being used? Um, what are we looking at? But I said, all right, we, we need to, to slow down for a minute. We need to get out of this race because it's kind of like being in a race, being in a, in a car race where if you're driving 200 miles per hour because you want to win this race, you're missing all the scenery around you. And, you know, that's not what we want to be. And that's not what I think that's not that's where a lot of bad coverage comes in. And it, it starts to turn into what I think people more consistently see in media coverage of politics, uh, especially uh, in the last during the Trump presidency, when it was a race to try to you know, either say how great President Trump was or how horrible he was. And I'm like, there's just that's prone for errors. And in fact, the then the focus is no longer on accuracy and reporting. It's at, it, it's on just be first, just be first, just be first. And so it, it's a blessing and a curse. And luckily, I would say it's it, probably in the last week or two, it subsided a little bit, like everything slowed down a little bit. And I think that's a good thing. I think that's a very good thing uh, so that you're not making mistakes because it's very, very, very easy to make mistakes when your focus is on just get the information out there, get it out there, get it out there, get it out there. Um, You see stuff that, and and unfortunately that influences 
the greater public's opinion on something. You know, I, I think I saw one outlet uh, after the last Corbell leak that their headline read, uh, you know, Pentagon is investigating the leaks. That's demonstrably false. <laughs> you, know, you know, Susan, Susan uh, Goff said, you know, I'm, I'm looking into it. You know, <laughs> doesn't mean she's investigating it. So, um, but, you know, that's the kind of stuff when you're trying to out sensationalize each other with media companies and everything um, that happens, you know, and, and I don't think that that's good. And so we always have wanted to strive to be a, a good outlet, an outlet that somebody can look at. And uh, like I said, maybe not, you know, th- there's a very common phrase that we live by, a debrief, and it's one that we certainly didn't coin. It's with media in general, which is you know, be faster than, than others, better than you or better than those faster than you. And I said, let's get off the UFO train for a minute and focus on being better than everybody else rather than being faster. The other side of that openness to the media and getting the stories out there is how those stories are collected. Uh, you've got a lot of sources and contacts, no doubt, in various organizations. Have you noticed a change in how they approach you and how they are giving you information on the subject? Uh, do you see it's a little bit of the stigma has been shaken off furthermore from them? Well, yes and no. Um, so, you know, really some of, some of my best sources uh, and some of the best sources that, that anybody has are people that are working within government that are they're actually in the nitty gritty and, and know what's going on. Uh, unfortunately, uh, <clears throat> with some of these leaks, which again is, is not speaking demonstrably towards them, it's great. I, I'm, I'm a firm advocate of this information becoming public. Uh, but because of that, when it's not officially released and, and suddenly, especially if things d- deeper down there are classified um, and people are asking questions like who's talking to the media, who's releasing this, uh, it's made it much more difficult for me. You know, people are not very willing to talk to me right now, which, yeah, it, you know, that happens. I think after, um, you know, it was a good couple of months before anybody would talk to me after I released the Popular Mechanics article on the Bass Report. Um, it was a, uh, you know, it's been, it was a good couple of months after the Fast Movers article that anybody would talk to me. And in fact, the Fast Movers article, again, is another one of those blessings and curses. I think that it was great to get all of that information out. And if nothing else, a lot of the leaks that have come out from Corbell and Knapp and, and the information is being reported now. I, I have pointed out inside. I'm not somebody to go on Twitter or anything else and say, see, see, see. But I've told you know, the guys, Mike and MJ, I've said, you know, if you notice, everything's come out is only confirming. Like, you know, I knew I was dead on when we reported that fast movers in December. And everything's come out has only continued to affirm that even now that we're talking about transmedium objects and everything. We had. You know, that's what I knew was accurate. That that was something very much focused in the in the task force. And so it, it, it is nice to see your reporting that you knew was was accurate, but you couldn't you couldn't give a, on the record sources for certain things. It's nice to see it coming out with some some physical evidence or other outlets confirming that. Uh, but that article really shook up things more than people probably realize that article um, caused a lot of people to kind of say, Hey man, I can't, you're too hot right now. I can't talk to you. So, uh, outside of that. So, so the people who are working for government or government contractors who now, you know, are very hesitant, uh, to speak about any of it. Um, other people I, I think have been more willing and have been more open, especially former government employees, um, retired military members. Um, I have, Hey, you know, we get a lot of good responses from people like that are people that who have reached out and and they present a more compelling side of it. Uh, in addition to it's made it easier for me because you always want to kind of present all sides of a story. You really want to go in depth. You don't want to just say, here's what it is, you know, and, and you know. Nobody's an expert on everything. So it's important to, to talk to all these experts. And now yeah, I have found it far more easier to reach out to experts in the science, technology, aerospace, defense industries and say, hey, so about these, these UAP things, let's, let's have a chat. What are your thoughts? What are you thinking? And um, that has become much more easy with the coverage because now it is. It's not it's not crazy. It's not silly. They can start kind of speculating and saying out loud things that I think 
they've been pondering on behind the scenes for a long time. A lot of people, um, you know, down to a, read a really interesting article in the Washington Examiner, who I think was was done by a contributor who was a physicist. Uh, it, it was titled, you know, here's how the Navy can catch UFOs or something like this. But he he presented a really interesting uh, theoretical kind of perspective that if these objects were operating in a fourth dimension, you know, how you could identify that using two different camera systems in a 90 degree parallel and how that would, you know, facing at one direction, it would appear three dimensional as, as you look from 90 degrees at another angle, it would appear two dimensional. But that's interesting. And, and I find that kind of stuff. I hope that a lot more of that comes out because a, you know, it gives people an opportunity to learn about, to really actually learn that uh, as much as we try to make this world that we live in super pragmatic and very normal and mundane, life is really crazy. <laughs> you know, if you get down to quantum science and you get down to this kind of level, um, our world's weird, man. And there's a lot we don't know and that is, quote, accepted. And so once you kind of put the idea of UFOs in this weird world that we actually live in framework, you learn some interesting science stuff. And I also think that that's how we will ultimately solve the UFO conundrum. And I've always been firm in saying that up to this point, uh, the the UAP report that is supposed to be released uh, is very consistent with everything else in this entire topic, which is the answers end in yes and no. You know, yes, it's real. No, it's not us. You know, yes, it's uh, real. No, we don't know who it is. Uh, you know, I've even used the example of yes, they're flying because by colloquial standards they're in the air, but no, they're not flying because they don't seem to operate by how we define flight and physics. And so when you arrive at conclusions in which the answer is yes and no, that means that the actual conclusion lies beyond the question. You're not asking the right questions. And so that's what I hope uh, we will continue to see expanded is the ability to ask the right questions, because I'm certainly not qualified to ask the right questions when we're talking about physics and quantum mechanics. And I think that steps maybe for down the line. And that's where we're trying to get to the point where we get those scientists who maybe aren't ready to come out and have that discussion yet or get involved. And again, we'll get to NASA and Bill Nelson asking NASA scientists to get involved in the topic as well. Because when you say about those secret, you know, the secret, top secret classifications of geospatial satellites and all that kind of stuff, maybe just getting someone like NASA involved who obviously has their kind of secret capabilities and whatnot, you know, that maybe opens things up a little bit more to the, the conversation and getting them involved. Before we get there, though, um, recently on that mainstream media, Lou Elizondo and some of his colleagues have been extremely active on the interview front. I'm sure you've seen a lot of these. They have reached audiences of millions of people across various shows around the world. Some of the sound bites from these interviews have, have caught the imagination, and I want your opinion on some of these. We'll go to the most recent. Yesterday, Lou appeared on the Washington Post in a live interview online, and he talked about, at one point, and I'm going to just take the 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 little quote in context here that some of these objects may be from outer space, inner space, or the space in between. How does that idea fit into your understanding of the conversation that you have with people? Um, <clears throat> you know, I, I, and that's interesting. And I, and believe it or not, I, I tend to be so busy that, that I, I only get my sound bites from Twitter or people like yourself or whatever who share them. So to all of those who, who, who share those quotes and sound bites and things, thank you. Cause it makes my job much easier and keeps me in the loop of this stuff. Cause I, I don't get to listen to a lot of these interviews, but I think it's interesting. I think that, uh, it's important. I will say in, in having, in innumerable conversations with Lou Elizondo over the last three years, um, you know, I think it, I, w I would feel pretty confident in saying when he says something like that, he is giving kind of his opinion or how this appears to be a stranger problem than we give it credit. Uh, he's not, you know, some people think, well, because he was at ATIP and because of this, he, he knows. And, uh, you know, I've never gotten the indication from anyone that anyone knows for definite other than these things are real and these things are happening. And so this idea that, that it could be, uh, you know, like he mentioned, uh, you know, 
it might not be aliens. It might be inner space, middle space, this idea of kind of a, the holographic principle in physics uh, that uh, there's, there are other dimensions that we don't have access to or this type of thing. You know, mathematically, that's where my bachelor's is in mathematics, although I hated theoretical math. Thank God my dad is a PhD mathematician. Had it not been for him to a private tutor there, I would have never got a degree in math. But but in theoretical mathematics, so when you're talking about how the world can be quantified and what you know how how really physicists define what's real and what isn't is is how can it be mathematically worked out? Can it be mathematically quantified? And so stuff like alternate dimensions and and a lot of very peculiar things they they can be mathematically, which means mathematically there, there is, if you considered mathematics to be the blueprint or fabric of the universe, well, there's blueprints for this stuff to exist. And so therefore, if there's blueprints for them, you know, it is not insane. We, we, we haven't measured them. We haven't seen them, but, but mathematically speaking, these can exist. And I think in a broader, uh, in, uh, you know, not trying to elaborate or speak for Lou Elizondo, what he might have been saying. I think that it is important that we realize, you know, there's a frightening amount of our existence and the universe that we simply do not know. I think if you go down this rabbit hole and for nothing else, that's, you know, we kind of explore that through the debrief is something that uh, me, Mike and MJ have always had interest in. And I've had a personal interest in for years is that when you go down this rabbit hole of exploring a host of things, whether it's stuff like dark matter and string theory, you realize, holy cow, man, we know less about our existence in this world than we know about it. <laughs> Even though it seems so concrete, you'd say, I'm going to go to bed and, you know, the sun is down. When I wake up, the sun is up. And that is the constant. There are so many other things you know, down to uh, aspects like what hold us to this planet, you know, gravity. We know it's there. We, it's clearly, we're not floating away. You know, why it's there and everything we don't really know. And so there's so many things about it that we don't understand. And so could the idea that UFOs and what we're talking about here represent some of those unknowns? Uh, I mean, I think I think that answer is, is abundantly yes. You know, I think that uh, there's an overwhelming amount of, of evidence over decades, whether even if you just want to take anecdotal to say UFOs are real. OK, that that is, you know, we can't argue that fact anymore. Now, if we want to argue concepts of what it really is, okay, that's on the table. We can debate that, even if you want to put it into knowns. Um, but it's real. And so the answer to figuring out what it really is, I think, may very well lie in that vast space of knowledge that we just don't have yet. And you know, the, maybe the scary thing is there is that that is a vast space of knowledge that we may not reach for another 10, you know, or two, 10,000 years, you know, it's just, and we're kind of in an incremental stages in how we progress when one thing leads to the next. But this idea that, that UFOs could represent something uh, that is very much real, but it exists in a span of knowledge that we don't understand it, that doesn't fit in kind of our, our framework of reality. Absolutely. I mean, that, that's why I've always said when people say, well, what's your opinion? I always say, I don't know. I truly don't know. You know, is it aliens? Well, aliens seems if you follow the kind of the logic tree, aliens seem to be the 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 Occam's razor uh, that, well, if it's not, if it's not anything, you know, if it's not a foreign adversary, it's not U.S. tech, but it's real. It's got to be aliens. That seems to make sense. But that's still only working on this base of knowledge that we currently possess, which is the, this overwhelming belief, accepted belief that life must exist out there. So therefore, alien life that's more advanced must be visiting. But what about that equally as expansive base of knowledge we don't have yet? That we don't realize, you know, we don't realize that other dimensions exist. We don't realize a lot of things. It, it could be that as well to the point where I don't know, like it could be something we have not even defined yet. 
and I think that's that's where I've started trying to when I'm opening up these conversations on I've been on a few different podcasts really grateful that people have invited me on to talk on podcasts that aren't necessarily about UFOs and and trying to open up that you know what let's get away from aliens for a minute okay this could be aliens from another planet that's the typical sci-fi notion of it and absolutely but if you if you look at it as a being possibly multiple phenomena all happening at the same time you then start asking you know if it's aliens from other planets and it's multiple planets do they know about each other you know when they get here do they interact and then you wonder do some of them come from different realities dimensions are some of them here already if you look at these things going under the water you know maybe some are here and it's always used the wakanda from black panther type scenario (laughs) that there's some civilization potential on this planet and not that that is what might be happening but we don't know and it's just we we haven't opened up those conversations yet and that's where you do have to get science to come in and start looking at some potentially really crazy ideas that like you say the universe and our reality is so much stranger than than we realize um on that i want there's a lot we could talk about there tim we'll do that on the next one definitely right sure but china um Luis Elizondo confirmed as well has established its own task force of sorts now china's a pretty secretive um country in its own right uh that they're very good at that as well now he also confirmed that they're using artificial intelligence to aid their investigations is that something you knew about or you've done much digging into like how exactly would you think someone or an organization or a country could use artificial intelligence to track and investigate uaps yeah no i was aware of in fact i'm gonna i'm gonna tell lou i'm mad at him for saying that on wapo jokingly i say that because (laughs) uh um, I'm sure, you know, he probably knew from his own intelligence sources and even working at ATIP. But, uh, um, but yeah, we, we at The Debrief were the first, uh, first Western media outlet to break the news of China's task force and that they were using AI. We, we talked about it that Friday. In fact, I shared it with, with Lou that Friday. And I said, hey, we, we've got confirmation uh, from you know some of the Chinese uh, Academy of Sciences and the the actual People's Liberation Army, so their military force is uh, they are acknowledging that they have a task force looking into what their you know their parlance instead of unidentified aerial phenomena is. Uh, oh gosh, what was it? Unidentified air conditions. Yes, air conditions. <laughs> It's like, and, and, which seems silly. I'm sure that translates something different in, in Chinese. That, that it doesn't sound as silly. Tim, that was that was my next question. That many have found the terminology <laughs> curious. Is that a turn of phrase, or and you've kind of answered it? Do you think it's just a turn of phrase of their language, as opposed to oh, it's a condition of the air? Like that's the way I've kind of read it. As it's just the way they've worded it. Yeah, no, I, I think it's probably, and I you. Know, Stipulating that I, I am not, uh, I I am not even remotely close to to fluent or even understanding Chinese, but yeah, I would I would imagine that I I am uh, I am fluent in Hebrew, and so I see that a lot. Uh, you know, back before I ever became a cop, I almost became a rabbi, believe it or not, and so I was very much interested in ancient Hebrew semantics and. Um, the epitopology of uh, Hebrew words and, and kind of culture. And so you see that a lot in, in other languages that was in Hebrew. You know, you can't really can't really translate a single Hebrew word into a single English word. You would need like a whole sentence. And so I have a feeling that that whole the word conditions there probably has a different meaning than the actual Chinese word. But yeah, and uh, it's not it, you know, it, it wasn't surprising to me that they had this going on. Uh, we, I had heard about it through intelligence sources for a couple of years, but but China had been unwilling to confirm it, which isn't like you mentioned. They're they're a very uh, secretive kind of society um, in that regard, and so uh, you know, it's not surprising they wouldn't confirm it. But it's interesting that they do come out and confirm it. It, it is. Uh, it's kind of you, you have to chuckle when you start laying it on the table and you see uh, specialists take the New York times recent report about uh, the, the supposed UAP report coming out that, you know, it could be Russia and China, but blah, blah, blah. But then if you look at what China's saying, it's uh, well, it's probably the U S you know, but, and so it's funny to watch all these different players um, say, well, it, it's probably the other guys, but just in case um, I did reach out to, uh, 
after China acknowledged that, I, I did reach out to uh, the Kremlin, to the Russian Defense Ministry this week, hoping that they would talk to me. Uh, thus far, they haven't. <laughs> Which you know, I would just say, I, I wasn't necessarily um, hopeful. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't necessarily hopeful, but you never know. I mean, that's you know, my whole thing was, hey, can we? You know, is the Russian Ministry of Defense willing to? discuss this as well. And if they're willing to come out and say, hey, you know what, we have likewise, as the US and China are indicating that they have seen an increase, I think it's important that everybody's saying, hey, we're getting an uptick in these um, that we have as well. And we're looking into it. Um, you know, and as Lou, and I did see the soundbite of, of that clip that Lou said that, and, and I share his sentiment kind of wholeheartedly where this idea that you're suspicious of people who have engaged in espionage and steal our technology and, and, you know, they, they have different manners of governance uh, than what we in a Western society consider democracy. So you're suspicious of their intentions and, but, you know, could those differences aside, if everybody, you know, came together and said, all right, yeah, no, here's the deal. You know, it, it's not us. It's not you. And it's not you. You know, maybe we can work together here. And and in fact, there are examples of that. And I think when you once you acknowledge that this is not each other playing war games on one another, um, you know, countries like China, the U.S. and Russia do come together. And you see that in the space program very much with NASA. You know, that's, you know, for years up until SpaceX, uh, you know, our astronauts were getting to the space station on Russian um, rockets. You know, Russia was taking us up to space. And so uh, I had an opportunity to, to interview an astronaut and ask him about that. I said, you know, it's interesting that even even in the height of the Cold War, you would see the U.S. and Russian space programs semi working together and offering help for each other. Uh, and um, I said, why is that? You know, and, and he said, that's just the explorer's mentality that once you really accept that you're in uncharted territory, totally foreign to, uh, to human beings, all of the other differences wash away. And it doesn't matter if you're from Russia or China. And, you know, he gave the example because he had done an, an Antarctic exploration. And as he said, you know, it doesn't matter who you are when they come in your tent, you know, you, you share a cup of coffee and you chat and you work together because now it's not about you're in something totally uncharted and new. And so if everybody could come on the same page and say, OK, this is a truly uncharted and new topic. I think there is potential for us all to work together, which would be nothing but a benefit. I mean, I don't think anybody, nobody wants, war is not, uh, you know, I live in Germany. I live in a country that was scarred by one of the worst wars uh, in modern history. It's not fun. And so, yeah, you know, maybe that's just the idealist in you that, that hopes that maybe we can come together and sure, we're going to smile on each other about other stuff, but maybe we could work on something different and really kind of bring about some something that if it is, uh, something totally unlike us, um, that would be, I've said it, it would be the most monumental uh, human achievement next to the advent of language. And so it's a big deal. <laughs> Have you got any insight, Tim, into, and that's some really good points as well. I, I like that discussion about, you know, especially when you hear astronauts going up to the space station and they look down at Earth, it just changes their whole perception of their life and changes the rest of their life. And they realize that, do you know what? When you're looking down at it and you think of all the stuff that goes on, all the horrible stuff, like it just it just melts away and it just makes them question everything. So I want to ask though, like when with China mentioning or Lou mentioning about China using AI to investigate UAPs, how might a country use artificial intelligence? Have you any insight into that to investigate this subject? Sure. And and I would imagine that the US is doing the same, or they better be. Um, is is AI is you know what AI is able to do is shed kind of the human biases and it can rapidly process massive chunks of data and see patterns in data that, that we don't readily see if you're just looking at with your eyes. And so, uh, you know, that is a big part of this problem. When I going back to what I said earlier about, we're not asking the right question and that's why we keep arriving at yes or no. AI can facilitate the ability to ask the right questions because it sees patterns we don't. And so I think that is a huge deal. And I think as our as we expand into uh, 
further machine learning and further AI, that's only going to grow. And it, it you know, there's just limitations to to our processing power. I mean, they, even the fanciest supercomputer still cannot compete with the human brain and its processing power. However, we do have biological limitations and, uh, you know, down to stuff like why we have, let's take the, the, the Tic Tac or the gimbal videos that were, that were filmed with the advanced forward looking infrared targeting pod, the ATFLIR. You know, what is that doing? It is looking in the infrared spectrum. It's looking in a spectrum, a light spectrum uh, that we can't see in. And so AI equally has this ability to expand beyond uh, our own biological limitations and pick out patterns in data that we, we wouldn't readily see. And, and that's when we reported on the China's task force. That's exactly what they're doing. You know, they, they, they said that their task force, they have a three-tiered task force, which uh, the first tier is involves both their military, police, uh, you know, scientists, astronomers, you name it. It's the reporting aspect. And so their kind of job at the first tier is to gather as much data as humanly possible. So if they have a sighting or anything, it is, you name it, down to the atmospheric conditions, the weather, the air temperature, uh, you know, you name it. Everything. There's there's no such thing in, in intelligence and data and data analysis. There's no such thing as too little or too much data. So they gather as much data as possible, and then that is uh, processed. It's, it's then distributed to a another PLA, uh, their military kind of regional post, wherever this sighting was, who does kind of a preliminary analysis of it. And uh, and then it rates it in kind of a credibility or as they termed it, a threat matrix. So how credible is this? And then it's passed on to their headquarters, who is then using the AI to aggregate and go through all of this data and look into it and see what can be determined, what can be picked out. You know, they mentioned, uh, you know, what else is going on? You know, if this sighting occurred during the same time as some type of uh, Chinese military exercise or, or was this over some type of Chinese facility, then it starts going into this pattern. Well, we've seen the same things happening on similar instances and based on what was going on around it, this could be a spy plane from the U.S., something like that. But do we have other truly anomalous? Uh, you start to really get into uh, some really nitty gritty good data and, and really good intelligence when you're using AI, because it can pick out a lot of patterns that we just can't pick out or normally wouldn't see. That is all for this week's show. Thank you very much for listening. Please remember to leave the podcast a review on your chosen platform. You can like, retweet and subscribe. That would all be very much appreciated. The shows are being uploaded onto YouTube as we speak more and more. You can sign up at patreon.com forward slash that UFO podcast to access the shows ad free as well. Please get in touch on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, that UFO podcast. Of course, on Twitter, it's at UFO, U-A-P-A-M. And again, folks, as always, keep looking up. You never know what you might see. It wasn't a tic-tac and not quite a saucer, more like a hubcap designed by Chaucer, a little baroque and quite steampunk, like Alice was playing bass for the Parliament of Fuck. The little fucker hovered right outside of my window, and when I shoved out the screen, he made it an issue. I don't think he expected me to see his ass, but I'd had some champagne and smoked a little more. Meditative game of fate full on meta. I can't imagine how it could have been any better. I got to the top of the stairs and there he was. Like, you awake? I was about to abduct you, cuz. back nearly kissed myself and I climbed out the window after the elf and I woke up in my bed and there was something on my head and everything was weird and everything was wet. I called up my boys, they thought this was noise, they thought it was a dream, they thought it was my toys, they thought it was my problems and I think I should seek therapy and I don't know what it is because it doesn't really scare me.
your heart, consider time, consider your space, consider your lies, consider your life, consider your eyes. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.